All right, we're back on Inappropriate Earl. Uh, we took a little break since I was in Montreal at the Comedy Festival. And, uh, you know, when I started this podcast about two years ago, I did it so I could interview people that I love, respect, and admire. And many of you know my love of the 80s, especially those action movies. Now, this man's more than just one movie. If you look up his name on IMDb, it's literally hundreds of credits. TV shows, The Fall Guy, for God's sake, Lee Majors and Doug Barr and Heather Thomas. And we're going to get into that. But I just feel that the first topic of discussion has to be one of the most iconic action movies ever with one of the most iconic bad guys ever. He didn't have a lot of lines in Roadhouse which made his lines that much more effective. Now, I'm going to put him on the spot right now. I have not told him I'm going to do this. And before I introduce him, just no special guest. I can edit anything out. But I would like to start off with your most iconic line by the fight scene at the lake. When you get... Patrick Swayze in a headlock. Now I'm going to say action. You say the line, and then we'll get into it. Uh, sound, speed, rolling, Swayze in a headlock, action. I used to guys like you in prison. Please. I never thought I'd have this man on my couch. This might be the longest intro to any guest I've ever had. Mr. Marshall Teague, how are you? I am honored to be here. I telling you, everyone has said, Earl, how did you get him on the couch? Well, Earl, it's very simple. I mean, you and I have been talking, I mean, Twitter over Twitter for I don't know, close to a year. Right. You know, carrying all these great conversations and uh, you know, you just threw it out there, you know, and it was just it worked out that we were, you know, back and forth and here at the same time and being here with you, another fighter. By the way, yeah. Hardly. You, oh, no, no. By the way, au contraire. You guys get on stage and you do battle. And I don't know that I could stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with you on stage, you know, doing some of the stuff that uh, you and your fellow uh, comedians do. It is, yeah. it is a form of combat. I will say that. I'm just going to get ready to take a picture so we have documented evidence here. <laughs> but I could not do what you do. I mean, uh, wh what is your martial arts background? I hold a black belt in four forms. Taekwondo, Shorinru, Kuksu, Lepkido, and Judo. And what got you into, uh, I don't want to say mixed martial arts, but uh, combat uh, in the first place? Bullied as a kid? I was, yeah, actually, I was. I was bullied as a kid because all the kids in my neighborhood, you know, in my in my time, you know, used to pick on the small guy. You know, they would sit there and they would stick your face in the dirt, you know, and try to make you eat mud, stick leaves in your ear, you know, kick your kick your butt and that kind of stuff like that. I had this great lady that I knew, uh, most wonderful black lady. I mean, her name was Ernestine. I, I just love her, like you know, just love her. And she came out one day of a, out, of a, out of a house, and I was being beat up. And she reached over, and I noticed that all of a sudden the, the extreme weight that was laid upon me 
started flying off. And she was pitching these guys like they were gnats. And she turned around, she looked at them, and she said, don't you lay a hand on my baby again. So I just took Ernestine's words, and I said, well, you know, they're not going to do it again. So I started studying. And did you, uh, like, I've seen some pictures with you and Chuck Norris. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, was Bruce Lee an influence? Uh, Bruce Lee was an influence, but I had already been in the martial arts since I was nine years old. Right. You know, and so I studied, but, you know, every everybody knows of Bruce Lee. We all watch Bruce Lee. We wish we could bend in the directions that he could bend in. And, of course, Chuck Norris, uh, we go back decades. Oh. Uh, decades. So we used to spar together and, uh, you know, uh, at different tournaments and Superfoot Wallace and Kid Joe Lewis. You know, we all came up during that place. So it was it was hard fighting. It's it's different now. How is it different? What's the difference between uh, like now with the advent of the UFC? I think uh, there's a maybe a surge in popularity of uh, the arts, the, the different arts, karate, jujitsu. Well, you combine them. You know, we all you know, that's why I say I studied different styles. Most martial artists will tell you that they studied different styles. They just didn't stick with one form. Right. You know, they, if they said, okay, I'd like to learn this. I want to go pick up judo or jujitsu. Jujitsu really wasn't as popular at the time, uh, you know, in, in the early days as judo, obviously. Right. Jujitsu came in later. It was around, but uh, it wasn't really as popular. But then you take the kids now that start out as collegiate wrestlers that are very good on the ground. They mix that in with their uh, hand techniques, and then, and then they learn how to kick and and then the invent of, uh, you know, MMA and voila. Do you watch the UFC? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My wife and I, we sit down there, you know, we watch it all the time. So when you have, a, and this is a little bit off topic, but it's there okay. is a uh, pro wrestler by the name of uh, CM Punk who has his first UFC match coming up. He's basically got the shortcut because he uh, has a huge uh, WWE he following. He has a wrestling background and following. Right. He has a huge following. Um, and a lot of people think that's unfair. Uh, but, you know, he's only practiced jujitsu for the last couple of years. You can't just learn MMA, can you, in, in a couple? No. No. I mean, you, you spend, you hear of people getting into MMA and you see it. I mean, you watch some of the uh, guys that are just coming up. Right. And they're out there trying to throw their best haymaker or their best kick. And they happen to have some guy that has a little more ground technique or a little better hands. And about two licks later, they realize that when they're waking up, that they don't know as much as they think they know. Well, I think Mike Tyson said it best. Uh, everyone has a game plan until they get hit in the face. Exactly. You know, there's, as the old saying goes, there's not a horse that can't be rode and there's not a cowboy that can't be thrown. Now, uh, like you would think if you and I stood next to each other and mm -hmm. just said to the, you know, lay person, who do you think would win in a fight? Most people probably just on visual would go, well, the bigger guy. Do you find that? I mean, just on visual, but then not knowing your background. I, you I, could kick my ass for the record, by the way. <laughs> this is not uh, some... Uh, Passive aggressive challenge no, on my part. No, no, you know, actually, I'm quite a man of peace. I really am. I'm glad you are. You know, I only, as as the saying goes, and I actually uh, gave this line 
pitch this line out because uh, Patrick asked when we were doing the movie, what would you say, you know, be nice until it's time not to be nice. Right. And right. I believe that very strongly. You know, I, I give everybody a break. I've had people challenge me after Roadhouse. Oh, I can imagine. You know, I can't even tell you how many times people have come up and said, I think I can whip your ass. I said, i tell you what we'll do. Why don't I buy you a beer and I'll say you kick my ass and we're good. And they would go, I like that. Right. So I'd buy them a beer, shake their hand, get to know them, hello and goodbye. Have you ever had a situation where it was time to not be nice? After Roadhouse, let's just say. After Roadhouse. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I, I don't want to... Can you, can you tell the story just so the I, I really don't like to get into that. Because, okay, no worries. But I can say this. It was over before it began. Absolutely. Would you say fighting, let, let's say uh, in that situation, uh, I'm assuming it, we don't have to get into the details, but uh, um, to get out of a situation like that, is, is it more mental, like uh, reading the guy and, and judging where, you, you know, like in the movie Roadhouse, Terry Funk was uh very uh, and i know it's a and movie a dear friend i'm a huge fan of his yeah, uh, but in the movie he was you know kind of a ask questions later action first like well you saw him he was always amped up right it has i think most people are in a bar fight uh or a nightclub situation how do you uh de-escalate well, other than uh, the beer buying technique well, that goes you know back to the time you know uh in the Navy and also as a cop, because I, as you know, I was a deputy sheriff. Also, yes. you learn to read people because you know either they've had too much to drink, they had a bad time with their girlfriend, they didn't like the way somebody was driving, uh, somebody flipped them off or whatever, and they get out of the car and all of a sudden you can see they're either shaking or they're breathing hard or they're staring at you or they're looking at you or they're hunched over or something. You learn to read people and you learn to give them space. Because I I want them to commit first. Right. I want them to commit first because if I'm bad, if I know they're going to commit, I want them to commit first because that gives me all the room in the world to do what comes naturally. But as a general rule, that I just uh, nowadays different time. Absolutely. I look at people and they they come up and they, and they say, you know, you're that sob that was in Roadhouse, and I go, yes, I was. That SOB in Roadhouse. And uh, how are you? How are you doing? Right. Are you, are you, are you with your wife? Are you with your girlfriend? How are you guys doing? Are you having a lovely evening? And and I just take it away. Well, because you were such a um, an asshole in that movie. Thank you. And I appreciate that. Not, obviously. That means the world because that means I did my job. I mean, I hated you watching that Thank movie. You. So and, did my mother. <laughs> until those checks started coming in. No, uh, you know. When you like, we're going to get into your whole career, but every comic in the world is like, you got to ask these questions. Uh, you ask away, man. Because Roadhouse is a guilty pleasure to every comic, say, past the age of 35. And Bill Murray loves it. Yeah, I, everyone loves it. I mean, I, I, it's just an iconic. Uh, you ever make jokes on stage about Roadhouse? I absolutely do, and I use you Thank as you. one of my closing jokes. I am honored. I, I'm, you know, it's a little tough to do the joke now because you know, <laughs> you're an intimidating guy. But the joke is essentially: Am I really intimidating? Seriously? You are because. Your niceness is almost, I feel, a beautiful mask for the deadliness that your body could unleash on me. 
Never happened, my friend. Here's the uh, it won't because I will never <laughs> I will never put myself in a position to have you angry at me. Um, now the joke essentially is uh, iconic movie lines in the in the history of cinema, and I start off sick to the older people in the room. You might like Humphrey Bogart and Casablanca. Play it again, Sam or Clark Gable and Gone with the Wind. Frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a damn. Uh, Stallone and Rocky, uh, Yo Adrian, I did it, and I, I named like Clint Eastwood. You feel Clint, lucky, right? Make my day. Make my day. Uh, Darth Vader and Star Wars. James Earl Jones, uh, Luke, I am your father. Mother. And then I say, "There's a line at the end of Roadhouse, where the good—I don't use your name, but I say the good-looking man <laughs> who didn't have many lines in the whole movie gets Swayze in a headlock and says." I used to fuck guys like you in prison. It kills every time. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting thing. You talk about bad guys and characters uh, that don't have many lines, you know. Most of, the, most of the really good actors that I know, and I will go back to one of the movies that we've all known, To Kill a Mockingbird. Unbelievable. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. Boo. Boo Riley. Robert Duvall. Didn't say a word. Right. Not a word. But he stood out like nobody's business because when he was there and you looked at him, it was about what is going on in this man's head. Right. Every time. And he didn't have to say a word. I mean, to me, silence is more intimidating than... Uh, you take some of the other uh, actors in Roadhouse. There was that huge... I don't know his name. The huge tall guy who was part of... He was six... 10. Yeah, he was. And I don't know. It was the nicest he, person you ever met in your life. Do you find it like the biggest, more intimidating guys actually in real life are the nicest guys? Michael Clark Duncan, God rest his soul, yeah. that I did uh, Armageddon with. Huge, huge man. One of the most gentle souls that you ever met in your life. Right. Called me one time where he was at a raceway. I'm here with my wife, by the way, Lindy. Lindy, beautiful. You guys, listen, I mean this respectfully. I got the best end of the deal, man. You guys are a very good-looking couple. I'll just leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you. But I asked, you know, uh, Michael Clark Duncan, you know, one time, did you ever play football? And he looked at me with that deep voice and says, no, my mama wouldn't let me. <laughs> you know, what do you say to a guy that has 21-inch arms? Naturally. Naturally. He was just a big, strong human being and with this magnificent voice and as gentle and as funny a person as you ever met. Always smiling. Right. Always smiling. And the same thing with Terry Funk, right? I'd same do. thing. Yes. Sweetest person. And he, his voice, interestingly enough, is actually very soft. He speaks right. like this all the time. And all, you know. But, you know, when he gets into that ring, he's grabbing his hair. He's pitching around. He's doing all this wild, crazy stuff, you know, he did. But when you get him outside the ring, he's just a big, gentle giant. And you are a giant as well. Because everyone, that was such a testosterone-fueled movie. Oh, we, uh, we, we, we went to a fight and the movie broke out. Right. <laughs> it, but the cast was so iconic. Kevin Ty. Uh, now I was a big emergency fan as a kid, so like my, I'm, I'm guilty as you are. I, when I saw, I'm like, "Where's Randolph Mantooth? Is he going to pop up in this?" And he did not. No. Uh, Terry Funk, 
just if you're a pro wrestling fan, it's just he's you know. You my know. my wife is a big pro wrestling fan. Oh really? Oh yeah. I mean, I mean it's uh, here. Please, please share the mic if you'd like. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and then uh, Keith David. Uh, Keith is, you know. Why they didn't keep more of what he did, I have no idea. Because Keith, I've worked with Keith several times. Right. And he's, besides being a great actor, he, and that same voice he's got, he is just, uh, he's just a marvelous human being. Oh, he was, uh, you know, unfortunately, I was uh, the host of the Rowdy Roddy Piper Memorial. And because uh, I was the co-host on his podcast and uh uh, Keith David spoke at the memorial and he just told the best they live story that it was just like, you know, when you see guys like boss rooting and, and there was a couple uh, UFC fighters in the room crying uh, from this story. It's like, wow, some of the well, toughest guys, you know, we were all touched by that because I mean, Piper brought pro wrestling into the limelight. Right. I mean, he really did. You know, yeah. he, he really brought it out. He created a character and he came out there and he brought, Pro wrestlers that, I mean, he was so audacious with his style that you couldn't help but just keep your eyes on it. And right. then he talked, and he would scream, and he did all. He had this. He had a rap before rappers did. Right. I mean, he was. Uh, and this is in the '80s when uh, you know there was no internet, so you, at least I thought pro wrestling was real. You know, like uh, as you can tell, I have the uh, biography of the great and legendary Kamala. Uh, I really thought he was from Africa. Uh, <laughs> no, that's how stupid I was. Uh, no, we, look, we were all. I didn't. Don't you think we all sat there and thought the same thing? Seriously, uh, I really what believed a guy walks it. Walks out with a mask and he's doing all that jumping around that he did. It's Superfly Snooker. Yes, my favorite. So Superfly Snooker, Marshall knew pressure points. Oh, I bet. First started dating. He, he you <laughs> know, because I grew up on wrestling. So he thought, yeah, I'm going to wrestle around, do pressure points. Next thing I know, I, okay, you know, you're going to make me break it out. Superfly snook at you. And I, we were fighting, and I, and I gave him a black eye. She did a I felt bad, off. but I gave him a black eye. She did a beautiful leg flip, and I went right into the corner post on our bed at the time. Of course, black eye busted my lip, and I looked up. She, she was sitting there going, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I said, are you kidding me? That's great. Right. <laughs> That was terrific. Well, I mean, pro wrestling is such a uh, fan. Nowadays, it's it's a little. Uh, I, I'm not really a fan of it, but uh, it's a little um, too scripted and choreographed. And it's more talking, than, you know, in the in the show, you know, and and the, the lights and the fireworks and all right. the other stuff. It's not like the old days where they came out there and did their thing. But you had Ric Flair, Andre the Giant. Oh, oh led, I mean Ric Flair. Right, Ric Flair, Andre. I met Andre one time. How big was he? Uh, in, I mean, was he huge, as big as advertised? Huge. His ring. He took off his ring. Right. Yes. And he took off his ring. And he took a silver dollar. He took a silver dollar, held his ring up, and dropped a silver dollar through the ring. If that gives you any idea of how big his hands were. He dropped a silver dollar through his ring. The, no, I mean, I can, uh, and his uh, alcohol intake was legendary. He, he, everybody was being carried out except him. 
36 beers in a sitting, uh, two full turkeys. Uh, I mean, his septic tank must have been an all-timer. Yeah, it's kind of like a sumo wrestler. You know, they just eat and sleep, eat, sleep, and beat, you know, push each other around. You know, and they're great at it. Well, any woman. And they weigh 500 pounds. At the least. Now, let's go. I, I've never heard you tell this story. The Let's go through the casting process of Roadhouse. Now, by the time 1989 rolled around, I'm looking at your IMDb page right now. You, you probably had 30 to 40 credits. So you're in a very established actor. Huge shows, the A-team, MacGyver, for God's sakes. And we'll get into that in a second. <laughs> The MacGyver reboot. Uh, come on. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> well, we'll go somewhere in a few minutes. But uh, you get called in. Yep. And do were they looking for what? What did they tell you they were looking for? Here's the interesting thing about it. I was brought in by Barry Delaney, who was the uh, wardrobe guy that I knew. He was uh, did fishing, and I went fishing with him, and uh, we got to know each other, and. I was brought in to actually train Mel Gibson for Lethal Weapon. Did you? They brought me in to uh, train, uh, spend some time with him to teach him what it was like to be, to be a long gunner and a martial artist and that kind of stuff. And I worked with him for a couple of weeks just to give him a head, you know, in the head where to go with this. And I gave him uh, some in, some insight on some scenes that they had written, but I said it wouldn't happen that way because he's he's a special forces guy. And that would not happen that way. But, and I said, well, you're going to get a role in this. Well, yes, I, you know, I didn't. What was the role in Lethal Weapon that you... Lethal Weapon was just, you know, it was got to be one of the one of the guys he went up against. The mercenaries. You know, one of the mercenaries, yeah. But uh, surprisingly, didn't get it. Uh, but then Roadhouse came on. Well, Barry Delaney was, uh, and, uh, was on that one, too, working with Joel Silver. And he said, and Scott, believe it or not, Scott Glenn was the original person they looked looking for to play Jimmy Arena. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Scott, and who's a marvelous actor. Oh, he's a, but he doesn't have a martial arts background, does he? He has studied Tai Chi, I think some martial arts. Right. I, I'm not really sure as to the extent. But um, Barry went in and he had turned and Scott turned it down. He said, it's not my forte. And Barry said, I have the guy for you. He is this guy for real. And they said, well, by all means, bring him in. I came in. I think Jackie Birch was the casting director. And uh, I came in. I brought her a flower because I heard she liked flowers. And I set it on her desk. And she says, okay, you're going into the room. I'm looking around for the sides. And there were no. <laughs> and they said, you're going in to meet with Joel Silver and, and Rowdy Harrington. And, uh, and they're going to, you're going to, this is your interview. So I walked in the door, and there's Joel sitting behind his desk on the phone as usual, and Rowdy was sitting over there. And he hung up the phone. He looked at me. He says, can you act? I said, I can. Can you fight? I said, I can kick the shit out of anybody. He said, do you like to fight? I said, I love to fight. He said, you're, you're hired. You start on Tuesday. That was it. Wow. That was the interview, man. And that was that intimidating. I mean, Joel Silver is uh, beyond legendary in this bit. I mean, yes. uh, the Warriors, uh, the, the every well because he knew of me before, right? With the Lethal Weapon thing, he knew I knew what I was talking about. So he pitched it to Rowdy, and just said, Rowdy said, uh, "Can you follow orders?" I said, "I'm retired Navy. You tell me." <laughs> so, yeah. I said, "I'm retired Navy. I'm a former deputy sheriff." 
he just looked at me and he said, that's good. <laughs> and, that, and that was it. That was the interview. Now, what was the, do you remember the first scene you shot for Roadhouse? Uh, the first scene we shot, believe it or not, was, I think, uh, a fight. Really? I think we started out with a fight. It was two weeks into the movie. I came on the set, and of course, I was Ben Gazzara's head henchman. Right. <laughs> and I sat over and watched Ben for a couple of days, you know, to see what he was like. And Ben Gazzara being oh. a brilliant. Legendary actor. Brilliant actor. I watched him for two days. Didn't introduce myself to him, by the way. So he did he know who you were? He didn't even know I was there. Right. I just watched him. I stayed out of his eyeline and everything. Watched him for two days. And I, he was old Hollywood. And you'd hear him say, makeup, hair. Can I get somebody to give me some water here? And I just watched how he did it, old Hollywood style. So when I went up to him, I walked up and I said, uh, Mr. Gazzara, I'm Jimmy Reno. What are you doing sitting out in the, sitting out in the sun? I want your chair over here. What, why you're not drinking any water? Why don't you have any water? Can I get some water over here? I said, you need something. You come to me. You don't have to. You don't have to scream for anybody. You come to me. And subsequently, every day that he worked, I was called to set because when I was there, he was a he was a, he was a peach. Right. He said, "Where's Jimmy?" I said, "I'm right here. I was always there." Right. Not even worse, Marshall. It's, that's why it's, you would always pull me into scenes and things right. like that because that's the way it worked out. So we started we started the show on the river. Oh wow! And it was five nights, five and a half hours a night. They had started out with eight cameras, went to six. We did the fight seventy two times, uh, front to back. You know, different. We did it in rounds, but the first night was front to back. And how much of it was not improv, but was was there who uh, I don't want to say two, choreographed? But well, there was two brilliant people. First, you had Charlie Paterni, who was the stunt coordinator, uh, one of the best in the business, and then you had Benny Arquitas. The jet. The jet was there, and he designed it in rounds, so we could do this in rounds. Uh, so we'd do a section of it, then we'd move to what we call the next round. Right. And we'd go from there. And um, funny story, i got to tell you this. Story. Oh, please. The time is uh, all yours. Well, the first night, you know, they said somebody had been telling uh, Patrick, uh, I call him Buddy. So if I say Buddy, right. it's Patrick. But they said, you know, this guy you're fighting, he was ex, uh, he's a NATO heavyweight kickboxing champion. And he thinks he's fighting a ballet dancer. So just so you know, he might come in here. And, uh, you know, just, he's a, he's a tough guy. Right. Know that. So I didn't know any of this was going on. And they came over to me. And they said, Marshall, you may have to get him a little worked up so he'll get into it. Right. And that kind of stuff. So, long story short. No, 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 no. No, they roll camera first night. He goes in, he throws his kick. Hits me about the soloplex. And I look at it, I look down at my solarplex and I looked at him and I said, that's it? That's all you got? They cut, of course, they roll camera again. He kicked me the second time and I grabbed his foot and I shoved him down on the ground. And I looked at him and I said, if that's the best kick you got, this is gonna, this fight is gonna suck. Well, he turned about as red as the shorts you're wearing right now. <laughs> He's wearing red shorts, by the way. And he looked up, never said a word. He got up and he said, roll the camera. But he said it. 
and somebody, and I guess Rowdy hollered, action. He kicked me. He laid that powerful leg of his into me, and he kicked me. And I skipped about 10 feet across the ground like a rock on water. He aired me out a little bit, and I went, I said, now that's a kick. Buddy comes over to me, reaches down with his hand because he was always a gentleman, and he helped me up, and he said, you like this shit, don't you? <laughs> I said, no, I love this shit. And Buddy said, uh, what do you say we don't cheat the audience for once? Let's give them one. Just kind of leave the faces alone because we got to finish the movie, but right. why don't let, why don't, let's just rock and roll. And I said, you came to the right place. And from that point on, we did, and they were packing us in ice every night, spray painting Buddy because he had his shirt off because we were black and blue from head to toe. I mean, he cracked my eye socket. I broke two of his ribs with that log. That wasn't, yeah. that wasn't in the script, by the way. He had just kicked me like a freight train in the face, so I turned around and just busted a log across him. And that was a real log? That was a real log. And what What was, uh, did uh, Buddy oh, say, hey, he, man? No, he, no, not a word. What's he, up with that? No, he looked down at me. He said, we're even. <laughs> That's all he said. We're even. And uh, we got up and finished the fight. So all the licks, there was a lot of impact in that fight. You can probably tell that because it's different than other fights. Uh, it's, uh, I would say the only fight scene that rivals it is, is probably one that you had something to do with, with uh, Mel Gibson and Gary Busey uh, at the end of Lethal Weapon, yeah. where uh, not quite as good, I must say, but. But it was there. It was there. It was there. Now, uh, after you hit uh, Buddy uh, with the log, you did your iconic line. Uh, was that, um, I am assuming that line wasn't in the script. No, actually, Joel Silver asked me to come up with something that would really piss him off. And that was... He said, just improv one, come up with a line that would really piss him off and it would fit your character. So I just grabbed him, picked him up, and that's just the first thing that came out of my mouth. Well, uh, this is a uh, audio-only uh, podcast, but we're going to just take a trip down memory lane here. We're watching... I tell you, it never gets old. Now, when you see that, what, what's your instant memory? Which, by the way, uh, for those of you wondering what the hell I'm doing, uh, I have the sound off, and I'm playing that particular scene for Marshall and his lovely wife, and I could see a smile on your face. Yeah, we we had gone at it pretty good at that point. We were both, as you could see, the, the that kick in the ribs. Yes. I kicked the crap out of him. You see that? Right there, I hit him there too. That I missed, but he played it perfectly. Now I want you to watch this next one where I come out and throw this kick. I want you to watch this. I think he calls me, you're such an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he called you that a few times. <laughs> but this kick right here, Right. watch this kick. Boom, Ooh. right there in the family jewels. That was a lick, that was a lick. That blood you're seeing over my eye yes. is real. Oh, Jesus. He cracked my eye socket, and that's why I busted his ribs. So this was as real of a fight as you can get on a movie set. Yes. He That breathing, the tiredness, we were so worn out. And so those sweat, they didn't add sweat. Right. And this is a $500 throat rip. The stunt... I got kicked in the water. Water was 42 degrees. And everybody said, when you hit the water, you're going to be sucking air when you come up. And I said, I, not only will I not suck air, I will not move or do anything until they holler cut. 
I want you to watch that this goes on until he drags me down the river. I still have not moved or anything. I mean, you guys really look physically exhausted. We were absolutely wiped out. That breathing he's doing is for real, man. That We, we were both. And I'm holding my breath right now. So to look, You can't move an inch. I can't move. Now, you see this is back in the water. He's got no wetsuit on. He's got a shirt. That water's 42 degrees. And I'll show you where they hollered cut. It's float. I'm floating down the river, of course, that are intercutting right now. But uh, Jesus, about Lord. that time, they hollered cut. <laughs> and I came breath. up and I said, pay me. <laughs> <laughs> Now, how hard was it seeing that that was the first scene you shot in the movie to then go, say, the next day or whenever for the second scene where you're alive, you know the ending, you know, there's the famous um, Stallone movie, Nighthawks, yeah. where the first scene shot was Rutger Hauer's death, death at the end of the, the, end movie. Of the movie. Yeah, I imagine as an actor, that's kind of, uh, is it hard to go from being dead to... No, it's not, because once that happened, you knew exactly what your character was. I right. mean, after that kind of ferocity, you know, you know your character. Right. You know what you don't like, and you don't, I don't like him. So it was very easy to stay in character. As, you know, as a matter of fact, because of that, we did not speak at all <laughs> before the first night of that fight. So you never met him? Oh, no, I'd met him years right. before. I knew who he was, but before we did this movie... We never would even utter the word good morning, hi, nothing. Not a word. You would, we'd yeah. walk past each other, we'd look at each other, but not one word was said. Would you say you were doing a bit of method acting? We didn't want to become, we didn't want to know each other right. until that fight because we knew we were going to know each other. Right. And after that fight was over, I can truthfully say, I went from a man I knew of and had met to a man that I loved dearly and probably one of the best friends that I've ever had in my life. Right. And I remember him dearly and I think of him all the time. I'd never, I, I mean, how can you not? No, he was. Uh, you share that kind of, we became best friends, just re literally best right. friends. He would call me three o'clock in the morning from India. Right. You know, just, you know, okay, you want, hey, Marshall, what are you doing? Talking to you. Right. So we'd be on the phone for the next three hours. Of course, you know, my wife would uh, go back to sleep because she knew I wasn't going right. to be there. You know, so we would talk for three hours on the phone. Oh, that's uh, just the way it was. Well, but it was that way here. Everybody on the movie, everybody that was involved in this, this film, we all became so close and so ingrained with their each other's characters, but the melding together of a team right that rarely happens i mean you could just as a fan of the movie you could tell that you guys were a family and like you know some action movies you, you know like uh i'm not trying to throw this guy under the bus uh, yeah. but i'll just mention the movie just you know for the comparison there I, i'm obsessed with the movie the perfect weapon with jeff speakman uh okay. but you could tell that you know it was just a movie to these guys it wasn't well, you Jeff, know. Jeff, you know, was a you know was a student, a top student of Park Ed Parker, and was very, very good at you know that form. 
but as far as uh, acting and getting into it, it was more about, you know, and this is nothing against him because Jeff's good, you know, he's a good guy, but um, it was all about his form and doing the moves. Right. And not about crawling inside the skin of a character. And you literally have to crawl into the skin of that character and become that character. Right, right. I mean, and I wasn't saying anything bad no, about no, him. No, he, I, I he could nothing, kick my ass too. I, so. I say nothing bad about him. He's, he's a brilliant tactician. Uh, right, but the movie uh, just as a fan, uh, you might critique it differently because you're an actor. But just as a fan, it seemed a little uh, stiff, uh, wooden. I guess. I mean, I still watch it every time it's on, just because uh, I'm a sucker for those types of movies. But like, I watch it too. Well, uh, I just the form is not. I, I like his form. Oh, he's amazing. Yes. Uh, I was hoping for a perfect weapon too, and you, never you know, happened. You know, I'm not sure what happened. What there was a roadhouse too. Oh please! But let's. Oh please! I mean, I have your. Yeah, there's so many. I know time is limited for you. I mean, there's so many things on your. Uh, well, I'm here with you, man, and I'm not leaving till you kick my butt out the door. So you tell me where do you want to go? Well, that's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I, I will politely ask you and your lovely wife to leave at your leisure. Uh, but uh, you know, I don't know why Hollywood does some of these sequels. Uh, you can never top the original Roadhouse. I'm not saying that because you're here. It just—it's one of a kind. It, it just you guys were family, it, it, and I'm sure because it made my, my. I mean, it was you, a cult. Do you know that that movie was actually made to fail? Did you ever hear that? I could believe it, but why? Why would they even make it if it was made to fail? Well, you know, I think the movie of the year that came out that year was um, on Golden Pond. If I'm not mistaken, right with uh, Henry Fonda. Yes. Jane Fonda, uh, but you know, m you know the movie companies. You know they have m movies that they want to make money because they know they've got something, and some they use because that are made. And this is just a hypo. You know, rumor has it. So don't any, don't any networks take it personally. But they use the others as write-offs. If they right. don't make enough money, they use it as a write-off. And they um, thought this one would fail. So they didn't really advertise it a lot. You know, they did a little and they didn't advertise it a lot, but uh, Buddy coming off Ghost, I believe, you know, and coming into this uh, and, you know, Dirty Dancing. I mean, I watch that, watch that all the time, but it came out and it just, it was word of mouth. And next thing you know, the theaters were packed. Right. And it just, you know, it blew MGM UA uh, away because they didn't think it would do what it did. And it just, and it's still doing it. I, I mean, I've never heard a bad word about the movie. Like even people who don't like action films like this movie and, and girls like it, uh, mainly to probably look at you and uh, Patrick. I mean, it's a good, you guys are good looking dudes, uh, <laughs> are good looking dudes. You know, we were, I think we both were, in, somebody told us we both were in the book of mullets. Oh, your ha hairstyle was top notch. And the, uh, I forget the necklace you had on, but it was. I still a, have it. Do you really? It's one of a kind. I have the last cross that's in my ear. Yes. You know, and because uh, Buddy ripped 12 of them out of my ear. We're going to get uh, to a non fight scene just so we can, uh, you know, see here. Now, here's a scene I want to talk. I mean, you still have that necklace? I still have that necklace. It's the only one. It was made just for me. Or the movie because I wanted him to look 
you know, everything about him had to be, it had to be, you know, uh, apex predator. Right. And everything about it is apex predator. Oh, absolutely. And another fight scene in the movie that doesn't get quite the love, ah. but it should, uh, is your fight scene with uh, Beyond the Legend. Uh, cool stick. Uh, uh, Sam Elliott. I mean, I mean, just I love Sam. Just need to say his name, and people go, "Okay." Oh yeah, you know, they either want to say beef or Dodge or Ram or, you know, or just anything that he's ever. If yeah. he speaks, lifeguard. Want, lifeguard. If he speaks, they want to know what he said. You know. Now, and your did you approach the fight scene with him differently because to, he didn't have a lot of uh, martial arts uh, fighting background, did he? No, no. But what he what he was was the the top uh bouncer cooler whatever you want to call him you know he's the one that wrote the book i mean he came up through all the motorcycle gangs and all that and he literally literally he had been down so many you know tough roads right that he knew more he knew what you were going to do before you were going to do it supposedly and he taught dalton but in real life, like when you're uh, Joel Silver or the stunt coordinator said, hey, you're going to have a fight scene with Sam Elliott. Do you talk to him and go? So I already knew Sam. So did he have a real life um, fighting background? No, no, uh, not really. Uh, I mean, I think some uh, he had told me one time that he had studied a little uh, Tai Chi just for movement and things like that. <laughs> That's balance. not enough to fight you. No, but uh, the thing about it is, is his hands. You know, he was I mean, he was a. He's a big guy. He's a big guy, and he when his hands came up, you know, you could look at his knuckles, and you'd say that this guy was ready to knock your block off, you know. And do do you you know like in pro wrestling they say one of one of the two wrestlers in the ring is the ring leader, you know he'll um, give the calls of the the in ring action. Do you go up to Sam Elliott and say, hey, this is what I'd like to do? Are you cool with that? Well, with Sam, Sam actually said, he's, uh, you know, told me, he said, Marshall, I know I trust you explicitly. What do you want to do? Kick your ass. You no, know, I told him, I said, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And he said, okay, let's run through it a couple of times. And he said, he said, go for it. Because those leg kicks you gave him, those look like they actually hurt. I touched him. Now, when you say touched him, it's probably a different version no, no, than no, what I no, say. No, I stopped my kick. Right on his pants. And how hard is that to not uh, drive through? Yeah, it's it's you. If you look at the the body, you set your body up to where when you get full extension, you know when you're at full extension. And I would sh shoot for three inches inside of his leg. So when I would come in across, I would snap it right there, so he would get a toe, so he could feel it. He had right. to know that I touched him, right? So he could react to it. But as far as hitting him. No, I would touch him. Absolutely. Every time I hit him, I would throw it and I would be there. And he was there. Jesus. I'm glad you have self-control now. My pool stick. Think about that. Right. Right. It, uh, that's, uh, you know, we're just gonna, uh, now guys, if you hear intermittent, uh, silence, it's just, uh, Marshall, uh, checking it out. Here we go. I think the pool scene is when you uh, leapfrog over the fat guy. I don't want to say and, the and, fat guy. I, no, well, you know, I, I, I used him actually. He, I, he was he was kind enough to let me use him as a stopper because I actually did the vault with the pool. Did you? So that was you? Yeah. Oh, shit. You know, and the, now you can imagine, you look at this. These, these 
kicks and that stick is is moving the whole time. And I told them in advance where I was going to be. Right. So they knew. Now, if you look at, see it, Sam. See that? Boom. Wham. That stick's moving. I'm not slowing that stick down at all. Now, when you hit the guy on the shoulder with the stick. To, you, I tagged him. Right, right. That one, the cross, right? That was a lick. I threw that one. Right. Yeah, I could Because the guy said, throw it in on me. Right here. Oh, Jesus. That looked like a real kick. It is a real uh, kick, and I definitely put him there. This is almost a painful scene for me to watch because I love Sam well, Elliott. If you watch, watch the kicks. Now I want you to watch the kicks. That one. See how my foot came up his right. back? I put it up flat on his back. Now he actually laid one in on me. That that one kind of touched him on the side of the head. I remember that. Right. See what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, okay. Damn, I could watch this all day. <laughs> I wish it was video, guys. I'm sorry for you guys uh, listening, you know, but how often do I get to watch the movie Roadhouse with someone who was actually in it? So this is a little selfish on my part, but uh, now after, let's talk life after Roadhouse. Life after Roadhouse. Uh, in, in terms of like, let's say the next year of auditions, was it hard to walk into an audition room and have people go, that's the guy from Roadhouse? It happened. You know, uh, but... Also, you've got to understand that some of the things you come in, you're coming in for another bad guy. Right. So they're saying, this is the guy from Roadhouse. He can definitely play a tough guy, right? you know, and, and, you know, or they would say, what's your background? And you say, uh, former, former deputy sheriff, this is what I did there. And they would say, well, the guy's a cop. So, you know, okay. Right. No problem. You know, uh, do you know how to repel off the side of a building? Sure. No problem. Do you? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Now Walker, Texas Ranger, uh, decades brings you back with Chuck Norris. Yeah, and what a what a dear dear man he is. What you see is what you get with Chuck. Right. And uh, you know, it was, I, again, there's two names. You know, the the world knows him as Chuck Norris. I know him as Carlos. Wow. You know, because that's what I call him. But uh, for for the audience, I will call him Chuck Norris because it's Chuck Norris. But we go back decades and, um, you know, from Ring to the first episode of Walker to the very last episode of Walker. Because I could see you playing a detective, a cop. No, uh, he wouldn't. No, no, no. That wasn't going to happen. Do you? No, 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 no. You're, is it because of Roadhouse people couldn't see you as a good guy? No. It was, well, there. To a degree. Yeah, to a degree. I mean, you do get a little pigeonholed, so to speak, you know, and, and but... Uh, as far as, you know, Chuck was concerned, you know, Chuck was Walker. Right. You know, so when you go in there, you know, when he called me up for the first episode, he said, you're going to blow up three banks and we're going to have a fight. Uh, we're going to have a fight in a park in Fort Worth. I said, great. I love blowing things up. So we did. And it just happened to be the coldest day in Fort Worth that they had had and I think, 60 years it was like seven or something below zero can if you can believe that in fort worth 
and they were going to throw me into a fountain that was had three inches of ice on it. So they had to break the ice. Right. And that scene wasn't written, by the way. They just decided to play a practical joke and see if I could stay underwater in ice water. Well, it's a lot of uh, sense of humor. Oh, this. yeah. it's all, But that's what made it great. Right. It was always about having fun. So we would sit and we did it, but we fought and, you know, and then it was another episode after that and another episode after that. And then there was an episode where it came in, it was written, guy comes at Walker with a samurai sword. He said, hold the phone. He said, this is the guy that's playing the role because he's the only man that I would trust to come at me with a samurai. And it was a real sword. So we did this. Uh, and a, the funny thing about it, we actually, it was a stab scene and I overstabbed, didn't hit him. But it did go through the wall into the office, the adjoining office right. where people were working. This blade came through the wall, you know, and didn't hurt anybody. But it was kind of like they were a little bit surprised to see this come through a wall. Of course, we had to fix it. And then, of course, then there was the table. Right. Everybody was excited. Everybody was excited. They all came out. And, where, where did that come from? And uh, the, the gentleman's office that we're using, he had this beautiful glass table next to the picture window and we were going to break supposedly just break some things on top of the table right well i ended up going through his table oh jesus and, well, that was another repair job they had to pay for so but it was a good fight how many stitches have you gotten with all these uh hundreds i have never gotten a stitch oh you know you're like bull crap yeah right. no. yeah that's bull i don't know we you 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 get nicks. I mean, you know, you're going to get a nick here and there. Yeah, but a nick to you is probably a. a I sewed my eye up later on. You know, you know, they sewed it up, and they did a great job. They brought a guy and did really good stitches, and the makeup went over the top. But we continued the fight. Now, is uh, Roadhouse any damage? Uh... That's that scar right through the middle of the eyebrow. Oh wow, that's that one. What's your favorite? We're, we're going to do this in two parts. Okay. Your favorite role. Before Roadhouse. And you, I don't even know where to... Ch I mean, MacGyver. I mean, do you have one that stands out for you? Uh, I mean, I mean uh, Tales... Uh, let me see. Uh, Ricky Dean Anderson, you know, MacGyver? Yes. A hoot. A hoot of a guy. I mean, I say it was, per it was fun because I was playing characters that were not unlike what I did for a living at, before I became an actor. So it was it was fun. And he was open enough to say... Whatever he wants to do, let him do it. Because he wants to, he wants to do a, a slide line over the top of a train that's coming that we had to wait for him. So I could do this slide over the top of the train. People didn't know it, but right, I did it anyway. So there's that. And then he got me to play hockey, and I don't skate. He said, "No, no, 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 no. If you're going to be on the show, you got to play hockey because he had a league." Yeah, right. So they fit me in all this gear and where you take me up to an ice rink and I'm looking at this ice and I'm going, I have not a clue. So I, you know, like a little robot walk out on the ice and I ask him, I said, what are the rules? He said, he said, make sure that those guys don't get that puck in this net. I said, that it? He said, that's it. Okay. So when we started playing, I saw the guy coming with a puck and I didn't know anything else to do. So I did a, uh, body block on him and knocked him down. I didn't get the puck in there. Right. And they said, okay, Marsh, we appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. 
you know, okay, you no, you did you did you did great for a first time. You kept him from getting the puck in, but you don't throw body blocks. Well, yeah, well, it's an effective uh, measure of not letting the other team score. That's for well, sure. It, he didn't score, you know, but uh, and I was glad he said, you know, why don't you uh, take a bench and just watch and right. And I was thrilled to go do that. You know, I waddled off the ice and I didn't make one circle around the ice rink though. I held onto the rail and. It's all good. Went all the way around, and I said, "Okay, I've I've gone on a skating rink, and I got off immediately." Now, did you have you played since? No, it was a one and done. Is one and done. Well one and done. You know, you know, he rappel down, rappel down a elevator shaft, no problem. Go across a train, no problem. And no, I'm not a stunt man. I don't put myself in that category because that those guys, you know, the men and women that do stunts in this business are a different breed altogether, and the movie business wouldn't be what it is without them. So, you know, I give them all the accolades. I've done a lot. I did you know, about 26 years of my own stunts. Because well, I would imagine even the the tremendously skilled stunt men and women who are out there uh, don't have your skill set of uh, fighting. And, well, uh, and, that, and that a lot of times is why they wouldn't double me. Right. You know, they would do, if I had to do a, if there was a super high fall, which I've done, but if there was a super high fall or some car stunts, obviously you want the guys that can put it on a dime. Right. You just spin that car on a dime and put it right where you want. It. And that's important. And I'm not going to profess to say that I'm that horseback riding, you know, the horse. Uh, yeah, we did. Actually, that was a Walker. We did this run in a Canyon and it was called white cliff Canyon. And it, I mean, it looked like the surface of the moon, boulders, cracks, crevasses, the whole nine yards. And uh, Aaron Norris was directing right. it. And he was in a helicopter. And we had like, what uh, what were a dozen of us? It was a dozen of us bad guys up here. And he said, when I come over the top of this mesa, I'm going to drop it about, I'm going to drop it about 20 yards from you, fly sideways with the helicopter filming you. And you're going to ride these horses out of this canyon. Well, they had the horse. They gave me a horse that was absolutely outstanding, but he was the fastest horse, one of the fastest horses I've ever been on in my life, and I've been on a lot of them. But when we started rolling, the helicopter, you, you imagine, you're looking at your apartment, and it's and it's a really nice apartment. Oh, thanks. And, you know, and you think about it, the so, helicopter would be at the other end of your apartment right. flying next to us on a horse that is wide open. Going, and in the, when I talk about crevasses, you're talking about a horse that runs – 40, 45 miles an hour, and he's jumping crevasses as you're running. Right. No stuntmen. The stuntmen were riding the other horses. I was riding the lead horse, and they couldn't, nobody could even stay up with this horse. Right. He was so fast. And it was a quarter of a mile run. And uh, were you a little, uh, not scared, but uh, nervous? No, actually, I wasn't really <laughs> nervous. I just, you are a tough guy. No, I I trusted the horse. I knew he I knew he could handle it. So I just laid laid my hands on his neck and let him have it. The worst thing you can try to do is control a horse that knows what he's doing. Right. So you let him do what he does. So I just let him go. Do you believe they say with dogs, but especially with horses, they can smell fear? Uh, do you think that you might have been bucked if he felt your nervous energy? If I would have snatched his range, uh, or gigged him you know right at his at the wrong point it could have thrown him off but only thing i would do is lay the reins if i want him to move a little bit to the right or left i would lay the reins over he knew what to do right and then i just let him have it 
Well, I mean, and uh, we did a did a movie called. Um, you tell me the name, and I'll well, get it. It's uh, the, the one about the oh gosh, Rough Riders. Yeah. What John, year? John Melius. That was. Oh my God, he's uh, uh, I uh, beyond a legend. That's uh, way, I mean, way past a legend. Th there's legends, and then there's like, uh, I mean, for the greatest storyteller I know. I tried to get him on uh, just because uh, it, for those of you who don't know who John Melius is, uh, you're missing out on uh, he went to film school with uh, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, uh, and they both said the, the A team. Yeah, that is, uh, that and is we're going to get in. We're getting into the A team in a second, but uh, no offense to George Papard, but the, the, I mean to have Spielberg and George Lucas say we thought John was the most talented. I mean, yeah, that's like... That's, <laughs> that's, that's like a stamp. That's a, that's a gold medal. Uh, that's a gold medal. And you know, just I, Apocalypse Now. Uh, it, there was one scene in there. There was another horse thing, by the way. They had set up, were fighting the Spanish. Of course, they got cannons and explosions. And I am supposed to be riding back to tell uh, Roosevelt, you know, what what's happening. So I'm, I got this horse. His name was Cowboy. <laughs> And Cowboy understood English. He understood the word action and rolling. So when you said rolling, you could feel this horse gather. He would gather. You could feel his muscles tense. And, and so I told everybody, I said, whatever you do, speak in sign language. Do not scream rolling. I said, they, they would set, they had all these charged explosions. And they were about, started out at about, oh, I don't know, 12 feet apart. And there were like 18 explosions. And I was writing through the center of them. And I got down there one time and, and one of the little, you know, people that you know, as a PA or something made the mistake on the first take. He hollered rolling and cowboy gathered and I had him facing away from the explosions. And all I did was roll him over. I pulled him up and rolled him over and pointed him. And we went, and of course the explosions went off and it was great. And then I did a slide stop right at the top where two goalpost explosions went off at the same time and then rode down calmly to, right. you know, Tom Berenger. Well, John Melius being John Melius uh, said, uh, they were kind of nice, but they were a little bit far apart. Bring them five feet apart. I want them separated only five feet. Marshall, can you put that horse through these explosions at five feet apart? I said, Absolutely. <laughs> so when he turned around the last time and I knew I had to get him going and the guy did this and I just leaned over to cowboy and I said rolling and he gathered slowly and I said action and pulled him and when he rolled back that time he stood up and rolled completely around and I let him go and these explosions were going off at his head like this all the way up through there and the goalposts were brought into about eight feet apart and did uh, and the horse was perfect. The second I stopped him, checked him, I calmly rode him down to, and delivered my orders. And do how do you like with the explosions? How does the horse stay calm? I mean, like, believe it or not, they have an old trick. They take uh, women's stockings, they cut the tips out of them, they put a little cotton in because it doesn't irritate their ears, so the explosions don't throw them off. And they lightly press it in their ears that way it doesn't irritate them. And the material on the stockings don't bother them. So the sound is very muffled so that it doesn't cause them to veer off left or right. 
Even horses get the special treatment. Absolutely. Now, do you uh, stay in touch with John? I mean, I know he's. Uh, we 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 stay in touch as much as we can. Right, right. You know, it's it's not as often as we used to. I mean, we were around each other two or three times a week for years. I mean, for twenty five years, we, you know, we competed in different uh, sports together. So we uh, we spend a lot of time around each other, and he was the greatest cigars and right. stories. John Houston stories, you know, all about the greats. And it was just, you know, you sit there like a, oh God, I don't know how to, it's like the, the picture, the Rockwell pictures you see where the grandfather or the, 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 the grandfather's telling these great stories right. to his kids and they're all sitting there wide-eyed. Well, that's what we were all doing. It didn't matter what age you were. Right. We all sat there and did that. So it was terrific. Well, I think my favorite story of his was, uh, I think in 77, he, Spielberg, and Lucas traded points with each other on their next releases. And, of course, uh, Lucas was Star Wars. Spielberg was, uh, I think at that time, Close Encounters. And John's movie was Big Wednesday. Big Wednesday. Which, I'm not a surfer. It's literally one of my favorite movies of all time just because of the story. Well, you know he had his own brand, don't you? Right. Bear. Yeah. Bear surfboards. I uh, played uh, Bear in the movie. Uh, a lot of people don't know this actor, but uh, Sam Melville, uh, who's in the Rookies, but uh, the, Little Dime, Little Diamond Farnsworth. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just uh, and Jan Michael Vincent uh, in his glory. He, he was such a kid. He was such a young. You talk about an Adonis in the day. I mean, I am as straight as you can get, but I will. I can admit to another man's beauty. Uh, it, it's 1978, I guess it came out. Jan Michael Vince. It was, was like a stunning, handsome man. That's how I wish I looked. Um, and then William Cat, and of course Gary Busey, yeah. and uh, and you know William you know, was in Rough Riders too. Oh, was he? William Cat was in there. Yeah. And Gary, as well. Gary Busey was in there. So it's a, kind of a big Wednesday reunion That's of sorts. What sort. it was. I mean, the only thing we didn't do is surf the horses. Well, I'm sure. Uh, get him stand on the boards. Well, Gary probably thought he was serving the horses at one well, point. There were points, right? <laughs> but we love Gary Busey here. Love him. Um, so, I mean, you've worked with just some iconic. Uh, I guess my next question I'm for you, blessed, man. I mean, this business is tough, Hollywood. Um, I've worked with, I think, eighteen Academy Award-winning actors and actresses, and and, and they were all. Every single one of them were first rate. I mean, Jack Warden, my first role. Oh, wow. My first role. Let's get to your first role. Now, here it says Topper. That's it. Man at Disco. Man at Disco. I was wearing the nylon shirt, opened up the whole nine yards. Great story with him. I was scared to death, I, you know, I, because my first role, they said, your first role, your first speaking role will be with Jack Warden. I go, Jack Warden? You're talking about Academy Award right. winning Jack Warden? Yes. I'm sitting over there, and I don't have, I got a few lines, you know, and I'm sitting there trying to do this. And Jack, here's here's one of the great stories about brilliant actors. Jack looked over and he came over to me and he looked at me and he, he knew I was playing the character. Because I was this big guy he was supposed to bump into and you know, hey, watch out. He comes over to me, puts his hand on my shoulder, he said, You nervous kid? I said, uh, well, you know. Yeah, a little bit. I want to do a good job. He said, ah, you smoke cigars? I said, well, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. He said, you drink beer? I said, I've been known to partake. He said, come on, let's go over here and sit down. We sat down. 
he pops the top on two beers, hands me a cigar. We're sitting there puffing along. He's telling a few stories about acting stories and things like that. And he, all of a sudden, we puts it down. He said, let's run the lines. Jack Warden, look at me. Let's run the lines. We run the lines. He said, I'm going to give you a bump right about here. And like this. And we, he does that. And he says, stand up. Bump me like this. I'll give you a bump in, or I'll stumble into you. Whatever. He said, we ran the lines. He said, ah, oh, you got this. Let's go knock this shit out. Let's roll this camera. We get up, we go, we do the scene. That's a gentleman. Right. That was my first lesson from a master. And then? Be courteous to others. Which in this business is not, uh, not sometimes not the case. I've tried to do that my whole acting career. Well, just you being here shows you, uh, I, listen, you won't hurt my feelings, but I'm assuming you'd never heard of me before. We've been talking. I know you on Twitter. But well, well, but you must get some weird uh, requests on Twitter. I'm assuming uh, there are, they're different. Some of them. I mean, I tried to approach you in a uh, respectful way, and you were absolutely couldn't have been better. And uh, that's why. That's why you're here. Why I'm here. Okay, well, without getting into details, what is uh, what are some of the more um, unusual uh, DMs that you get on Twitter? Just guys trying to fight. Hey, you want to fight or? Uh, you know, I stuff like that. I have never gotten one. Well, let me send you I, one I've, right I've now. I've had people. Well, go ahead. No, no, I'm good. Okay, I'm like, good. No, I've had people call me and ask me about. Say, for instance, uh, a guy in Germany wrote me a letter. They said, you know, what would you suggest? My son is over here with. He was in the military, and he said, what would you suggest if I wanted to get my son into martial arts? I said I would start him with a basic mother form you know, whether it be Taekwondo or something like that. And then I would take him to a grappling. I says, because if you're looking for something as to him being able to understand a large variety of what's out there for him to do, they said, you know, take him to a judo class, take him to a jujitsu class. And he, the kid is still there, still practicing. I think he's coming up for his brown belt. Oh, wow. You know, so yeah, we've got those requests and, We've got people from Ireland, where I'm Denmark, right? And people write in uh, with request or, or what do you think about this? Or, or I was confronted and I handled it this way. What do you think? Well, I don't fight, so. Well, you know, and, and they didn't want to. And, 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 you know, if you don't have to, don't. Right. I mean, I, uh, I subscribe to the Bruce Lee philosophy of a, the art of fighting is not to fight. Not to fight. Because I have no reflexes, to be completely honest with you. My last fight, I got choked out. Uh, well, I wouldn't say you don't have reflexes. Oh, I would. You've got to be pretty fast on the stage. Come on. I mean, you guys. Mental reflexes, you, I have. That's what I said. Mentally, well, that's it. You just, you just hit the nail on the head. It's all mental. Right. The physical part is the aftermath of whatever you've done in your brain. If your brain's working. Well, it's, you know, there's some people their brain doesn't work, obviously. You so. might be sitting next to one. No, I, you, know, you guys just can't do that on stage and not that brain not be working at 100 miles an hour. It just doesn't happen. Well, I'm very good at getting out of uh, heckling situations. I mean, I'm for you, a comic. And you get it. Oh, I do because of my uh, slow speech. and. Uh, Don't you think that's a challenge? Well, it is because... Uh, Marshall, I've never had a drug or drink in my life. I've never even had a beer. So, uh, but because of my uh, my character, if you will, people think I'm a stoner or 
you know, uh, every time I'm at a party, someone will ask me if I have cocaine on me. Uh, it's because of my, uh, I guess, character. But I'm just, uh, well, you know, play it. Well, I do. You know, play it. He would kill me. No, no. Yes. Think about it. You can't judge a book by its cover. People would look at me and they'd they'd say, he's got silver hair. What can he do? What can he do? And they would look at you. You're much younger. No, not much. No, no, no. Believe it or not. But it just, one of those things, people would look and perceive. He's got silver hair. He can't do anything. And if I were to grab your shirt right now, which I will not, but I'm just saying, like, if I just, I'm not going to touch you. Go ahead. No, no, I'm not going to touch you. Right. Kind of do it. Like that? What's the first move you do? Here. Now, uh. That's low. That's in, uh, like, that's Earl reflex mode. Uh. Right, you could kill me, which is why I never mouth off to anyone at a comedy show. If someone wants to, not that too many people want to fight me, but like you know, you get a guy who's drunk or uh, fueled on. Do you see what I? Tr- yes. Or Sandy, I was locked. I locked locked her hands, so she has no hands. Next thing I do, the move was to go up and take take the opponent's head off, and or deflect, or deflect it, or move it, or throw them. Whatever, you know, grab their hair, pitch them backwards, take them down, put a knee in their throat, whatever. <laughs> Where's the best place to hit someone? I've heard the nose. Well, you know, the nose is an object, if you think about it, roughly is inch and a quarter wide to uh, inch, and a, inch and a quarter, inch and three quarters high. Now, if a person's moving their head, that's a moving target. Well, guess what's not moving? Your throat. Right. Throat stays stationary because your head, your head pivots on it. What about the balls? Balls is is something that if you can, it's uh, very effective. But if a person's standing sideways and you can't get there, what do you do? Right. You know, grab their hair. Okay. Take their head because once you turn a person's head to either side, sixty-five percent of their body motion is out of play. Right. Now, I think, uh, buddy Patrick Swayze, for those of you who just tuned in, uh, he said even the in Roadhouse, I uh, might not get it exactly correct, but he said something to the effect of, you chop a big guy's knees out. Chop the tree. Right. Is that true? Like, in, uh, you know, if you're, not you, but if you're fighting a much bigger person, best play, get the knees. I'm going right for the knees. Like maybe a sidekick to tear their ACL or something along those lines. That or break it backwards like oh, a chicken okay. leg and then they don't get up. There's that too. You know, uh, you know, but... Uh, you can actually, you know, like I said, if you threw a kick right on top of the, the you know, on top of the quad, quad, you sit there and put your shin bone, which is very sharp. You know, people understand it's very, very, it's a bone. And you hit somebody on top of that quadricep and you kick it like you're full force. You could lay it across there. You'd be surprised at how unbelievably painful that is. Well, no, I, I I take your word for it. Well, I mean, it's just, we're discussing that. It's little things. But I always tell people, again, the best thing to do is don't get in a fight. Right. Just talk your way out of it. Just say, have a nice day. You know, did I offend you? Let me buy you a beer. Let me buy you a beer. Because I can imagine for the rest of your life, because you're still very recognizable to me as Jimmy. 
Thank you. Uh, I mean, you haven't aged. Uh, you know, the, the hair may be whiter, but the face is still looking good. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, just to, I know uh, we have a few minutes left. There's a lot of struggling actors out there, actresses, actors. What is your best advice if you're if they're just starting out? I mean, you, like I said, please go on IMDb. Look at Marshall's page. I mean, this is, you know, what kills me about this business is acting coaches, acting teachers who've never accomplished anything, stealing money from young actors, actresses. It happens every day. How to make it in Hollywood. It was like, what roles have you done, dude, or miss? You've done it for 30 years. And uh, 40 years. Sorry. Uh what would be your see? I would take an acting or a, uh, a how to make it in Hollywood class from you because you've made it and sustained it. What's one bit of advice you give to start out by believing in yourself? Because if you don't, who will? There, nobody out here is going to believe in you. You've got to first believe in yourself. You've got to you've got to believe that there is something very unique about yourself that you believe needs to be on film. Second of all, understand that no one can teach you how to act, period. It's either in you or it's not. It's, they all, the, a good acting coach brings out what is unique in you. That's a good acting coach. And it's one that doesn't sit there and brag about how good he is. It's, it's one that sits there and looks at you and watches you and is not afraid to tell you, go there. Right. Go there. You can go there. And that's the biggest thing. People being afraid to go there in themselves because there's still that angst of, can I do it? Believe, first of all, that you can. And make sure that that's exactly what you want to do. Because if you're coming out here with, and I, I hear this all the time from young young people, you know, they, they're gorgeous. I mean, they, gorgeous people in this town, there, there's a thousand come here a day. Great looking people. Men and, and women. women. Absolutely. They come here every day and they're under the belief that I can walk in here and because I can cry on cue, that'll get me a role. And it might get your role, but the old saying is it, it's not who it, it's some it is who you know, but it's also what you know. Right. Because once you get up there and if you blow it continuously, it they don't care who you know after that. Because they also know that you don't know anything. So you 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 get out there and believe in yourself. Don't be afraid to walk around and watch, you know, and listen and look at other people's classes because you'll know when the coach is really there for you. You'll know. Right. And you'll know because they're not all the way always up there bloviating. I love to use that word, bloviating. Well, it's a little too deep for my fan yeah, base. Yeah, it's a little deep for me, but I just heard it, so I thought I would use right. it, uh, about how great they are. Right. You know, and I've written, I've written 12 books. I don't care. But when a person can reach inside your soul and find that uniqueness and show you the map to how to get there, once he opens that door, it's like... Voila. Voila. Then it's up to you to have the staying power. Right. Talent. Uh, I, I say talent doesn't get you in the door. It keeps you in the door. It keeps you in the door. Um, because because like, once you get the job, it better be what you know. 
Right. Absolutely. Because uh, you could see that a lot with, say, 80s action stars. So, you know, there was, you know, uh, the Stallones, the uh, Schwarzeneggers, the Van Dams, And then there was like the, I won't mention names, but there was like a second wave. Some were good, some weren't. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm a character actor, you know, and I like being a character actor. Yeah, well, that's another thing, and it's a, it's a it's a title I don't like calling anyone because uh, to me you can't make a movie without character actors. No, you gotta have them. Uh, Roadhouse would have been a good movie with just say Patrick Swayze coming off a of ghost and Dirty Dancing uh, and The Outsiders, and uh, of course I'm a hockey guy, so uh, uh, what was the hockey movie? Young Blood, uh, one of the great uh, hockey movies aren't good for box office, but uh, you know but you love watching them. Well, I do, but I think uh, it might have been also the problem with a big Wednesday. You know, surf movies and hockey movies are like it's such a uh, genre driven. I mean, you either like it or you don't. And I get so sad when I tell people about Big Wednesday, and they're like, "What's that?" And I'm like, oh, "It is like the Star Wars of surf movies." Yes, it is. And because it was based on John's uh, life growing up in Malibu, yeah. and uh, I just it bums me and he out. Brought, he brought everybody together that loved to surf. Right, uh, another character actor by the name of Reb Brown, who yeah. uh, know Reb very well. You know, great he, guy. Right, he's just uh, also in. Uh, you know, he falls in the line with that uh, when they try to make Lou Ferrigno a. He was in that movie Cage mm -hmm. and Cage Two. There was a sequel. I don't know if that was necessary, but I mean, you know, it was there. It, it was there uh, with those. Uh, some I, I don't know. Ferrigno was. Um, I'm sure he's an amazing guy. He is. The Incredible he Hulk. He truly is. I mean, I mean uh, not the original Incredible Hulk, by the way. Do you know who? We're going to play a little. No, yeah, actually, I, I heard that. And I do not know who played the original Incredible Hulk. Was it? I do. Well, by all means, enlighten me. Well, I don't know if I'm enlightening you, but uh, I have a uh, Rain Man-like ability of useless information, Marshall. And the it's about to become pertinent, so lay it on me. The original Incredible Hulk, he was in the... I'm going to give you some hints. He was in The Longest Yard with Burt Reynolds. He was the amazing bad guy in two James Bond movies, Jaws. Oh, oh. I, Keel. I, yes. Richard Keel. Richard Keel was... Uh, I think he filmed either the... I don't know if it was the full pilot of The Incredible Hulk, but it was... Uh, at least a few scenes, and they found him to be not muscular enough. And they uh, felt they decided um, they needed a more bodybuilder-like... Body uh, Hulk, because the Hulk was... He turned into... Yeah, he turned into... Bi uh, biological weapon. Right. Um, so uh, Richard Keel... And Richard Keel had a, an amazing career. Uh, you know, What a sweet guy, too. Yeah, I met him many times over the years. I mean, uh, just along. I looked up at him, and you know, I did not say the usual "How's the weather up there?" Right? No, I didn't pull that. I just said, "Pleasure to meet you." I imagine that wouldn't have gone over well no, with him. No, 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 no. But his uh, role as Jaws, and I believe the Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker was very. No, it's three, wasn't it? Uh, he was only in two. I thought he was in three. Uh, believe me, if he was, I would have known. He would have uh, known. Yeah, okay. And he had a speaking line at the. He only had. Here's a little. What was he bit the shark and no he they he had one line in both James Bond movies and it was at the end of Moonraker when uh, you know with the spy who loved me he was a little bit more of a it was a serious bad guy role but with Moonraker they I think they decided to do a little more cartoonish mm -hmm. uh, and he 
fell in love with a girl on the uh, oh the space thing. spaceship. Yeah, yeah. And uh, hey, she was Russian. She, uh, I think she was Russian. She was blonde with pigtails yes. and um, big. Uh, yeah, but you got it. Bosomy, yeah. I guess. Trying to, I trying to be respectful. Uh, and he grabbed her hand at the end as the spaceship is blowing up and says, "Here's to us, baby." And they had a little toast to wine. I bet you never thought today when you woke up you'd be going over Richard Keel's line at the end of Moonraker. No, but it, you know, but I'm, I'm a Bond fan. You know, Lindy's not necessarily a Bond fan, but I am. I watch Bonds. See, I grew up... Because I work with Sean Connery, and to me, he is Bond. See, here's where we might have a, a problem. Go for uh, it. But no uh, no physical problem. <laughs> I'm much more of a Roger Moore guy. Really? But Sean Connery's... I mean, he is debonair. I mean, he is definitely debonair and suave and charming and... and oh, so Sean Connery. I mean... Uh, without question. I even like Timothy Dalton and the two he did. Uh, a lot of people don't. Uh, the, Mixed emotions. You know, I thought that he was almost um, this is going to come out like a backhanded compliment. Uh, I thought he was almost too good of an actor to play James Bond. Like he was too serious. Like Roger Moore, I think he had fun with it. Right, Sean Connery a little more serious than Roger. Roger, like I know him. Uh, would you agree with that assessment? Yes. The only reason I go back to Sean Connery is because when we were doing The Rock. Uh, an amazing movie. Yes, the, the, it's an amazing movie. And a cast. Uh, you know, I talked about the Roadhouse cast. Yeah, another great uh, group of people. Ed Harris, uh, Tony Todd. Uh, uh, just I, keep going. It just, uh, yeah. The list is on and on and on. Well, Lindy and I were in San Francisco, and we were going down, and Sean was shooting a scene where he sees his daughter. Remember when he Yes, in the uh, little and, and, park. Yeah, we're walking down the hill, and, of course, she, Lindy sees... Sir Sean, you know, and she goes, there he is. So we walked down to the set because I'd been a safety diver the whole time, taking care of him in the water. I walked up and, and he met her, introduced, and he couldn't have been more charming. And it was spent some time. And then later we had a little rap party. You know, we had a rap party. I think it was up there, wasn't it? And he comes in the room and nobody's, you know, everybody's doing whatever they do, but he has a, Lindy says this better than I do. I wish you could would come over here and say it, but... Please, come over here. I wish uh, you would. Just speak a little more into the mic, but we're good. I'm just going to hand it. You can be in a full room. Your back's to the door. Sean Connery walks in, and you feel that energy. And you just automatically turn, and there he is. And his aura is just... it. It's Bond. Right. It, it, I mean, it just oozes classic Hollywood. It oozes the action man. I mean, he just... He's it. He really is. And, and if I may, please. He walks over where he's meeting people. He comes over to Marshall. Good to see you. How are you? It's very good. Who is this? This is this is this is my. I think we were dating at the time. We were dating. This is my. Uh, this is my fiance, Lindy. Charming. She is absolutely stunning. May I, may I have this dance, Marshall? Do you mind? And I sit there. I said, by all means, please. Thank you. He walked back. She says, "Lovely." <laughs> so I'm sitting there going, "Cool." <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, what do you say? I said, "He just came over and just danced with my fiance and uh, said she is stunning." And and I must say, she is uh, the best looking couple uh, in Hollywood, probably. I don't know about that. I love her though. 
she's the best part of my life. How long have you guys been, uh, I guess, married, but like uh, together? together? 22 years. And how, uh, without getting into anything uh, too personal, how, how do you guys make uh, I mean, uh, I've seen marriages fall apart in, in the world of stand-up in uh, two years. Uh, to be in Hollywood, uh, what's the secret? We're just comfortable in our own skin. I come from a modeling background with the acting. We both traveled. We both experienced a lot of life and we're comfortable with one another so you understand the business um and we just work things out we're, we're partners in life she actually told me she said uh, before you know later on she told me she said i made up my mind and I, she actually made this statement to some friends she says one these are my absolute will not marry people i will not marry an actor I will not marry a cop and I will not marry a military person. Well, guess what she got? All three. All three at the same time. Now, did you ever have that list for you? Like, I won't marry a model because, you know, or did you have a do not? I had a do not get married. Right. Period. Just because. Uh... No, I mean, when, I, when a friend of mine found out that we were, you know, getting, we were going to get married, you know, he came out with his purple heart he got from Nam and he handed it to her and said, you, if you're going to marry this son of a buck, you deserve this a lot more than me. Well, <laughs> so <laughs> that's where that went. But we've been, I mean, is it, do we have our, our differences? Yeah. Who doesn't? But as far as can I imagine being with anybody else? No, I can't. Well, that's amazing. That's true love. That's what it is. And you know, I don't want to end the podcast, but I know that your time is valuable. I'm just looking at this cast of The Rock. It's like it's off the I mean, charts. Uh, William Forsyth, Michael Bean, David Morris, who's one of my favorite. David's great character David actors. Is great. Uh, he made me cry the other night. Uh, what show are you watching? I'm a big Pittsburgh Steeler fan. Mm -hmm. uh, this podcast is not about me, but my dad was friends with uh, the hey, owner. I want to know. Well, my dad was friends with the original owner, Art Rooney, uh, and uh, they. Did that movie? It's not about the '70s Steelers per se, but the Will Smith movie Concussion. Concussion, yeah. And they had David Morris playing Mike Webster. Who uh, do you know who Mike Webster yes. was? Uh, legendary center yeah. of uh, the Steelers, and uh, you know, toward the end of his life, he was living in his car. He would uh, uh, taser himself to uh, wake up, wake like, up. Uh, self mutilate, and uh, David Morris. Uh, I mean, I, I know the role wasn't that big, but he could have won. If they gave, like, many Oscars out for uh, smaller roles, it's like what you got the feeling you were looking at Mike Webster. Well, he crawls in the skin of every character he plays. Yeah, he's... You know, uh, he's just one of those brilliant actors that just does that. He made me cry also at the end of The Negotiator when uh, they shoot a Samuel Jack. But that's another... Uh, I mean, that that's... A, when you can make me cry, I mean, I don't cry at many movies. Maybe at the end of Brian's song... Uh, when they show uh, Billy D. Williams and James Conn running through the, it's like, and they start that music. Look, man, I'm a notorious blubber person. I mean, I mean, if it, if I feel it, if I feel it, I let it go. Right. I, you know, years ago I wouldn't have, but you know, I'm just that way. I mean, if it, I mean, I watch the Olympics, and they get the gold medal, I cry. Right. What's your uh, favorite Olympic sport to watch? Well, I just I've been watching I've been watching the uh, the, the gymnastics, which was they are unbelievable. I, I watched those young ladies get out there and kick ass, take names, and they didn't bring a pencil. I mean, they came they yeah. came to 
to play, and they did everything. And he's well. I mean, what do you what do you say about my? I mean, you're talking about you are talking about Aquaman, the Submariner. He is all of these things mixed into one man, and he is. I don't think anyone will ever surpass what he has accomplished. Twenty gold medals. I mean, that's. I mean, I thought Mark Spitz was like. I mean, I'm a little older, so I, you know, I, people are probably like, "Who's Mark Spitz? What room does he book?" Uh, yeah. he, I, I thought, well, well, that's impressive. Nine, I think yeah. he was seven or nine. Uh, it's like, wow, he he makes Mark Spitz look like a Rex. I mean, he doubles, doubles, yeah, double the double down, yeah, oh, the double triple, deuce, triple down, double deuce, whatever, all those things. But yeah, I mean, watching he him swim and then come back thirty minutes later and touch off at second, yeah, you know, and. You know, to watch what he can do, it, it just blows me away. I mean, watching all of these athletes. I mean, I was sitting there right before we came here, and I was watching the hammer throw. Oh. Or, or, no, the shot put. And I was sitting there going, I would not piss one of those ladies off oh my God. for anything in this world. When I saw her throw this 12-pound shot or 10-pound shot, she threw it 47 feet. And I'm sitting there going, yes, ma'am, whatever you would like, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. And no. I'll go get it for you. Uh, their legs. So, I mean, I work out every day, and i like, wow, how come I don't look like that? I mean, they're these 15-year-old girls with, like. Oh, amazing. Uh, so, uh, Marshall. Go USA. Uh, I can't thank you enough. Earl, a pleasure, man. Uh, please. Uh, I was going to say, we have a film festival. Right. Yeah. I was going yeah. to say. Road to the Well. A movie I, I did, and it's called Road to the Well. And it's coming out at the Long Beach uh, Film Festival, and it's on September second. Second. And can people buy a Road to the Well? You you play Dale. I'm pulling up. Uh, uh, Retired see. Army Chaplain, and I am the key to the Road to the Well. And who else is in that? And Micah. I can't remember Micah's last name, but it might be it might be, but. Uh, just young director, uh, John Savak, who wrote this. And uh, it just really, I mean, it's very dark. I'll tell you that right now. Well, I like that. Very dark. But it's uh, just, I, I enjoyed that more than anything. And like I said, if people want to touch base, you talk about touching base, they can follow me on Marshall R, middle initial R, Teague, on Facebook, Twitter, you know, and just you know, drop us a line. And are you on Instagram or do you do that? Nah, you I'm should. Not, I'm not that. I'm not that good. The yet. young kids. I'm are, working on it, man. I'm working on it. And then there's. We'll get you into Snapchat later. <laughs> and uh, where can we find you on? Uh, do you? Uh, no, we. I don't. I, I don't. You know. Well, I, I imagine for a beautiful woman, uh, I, I could understand why you're not. Because uh, there's so well, many well, creeps. Well, actually, there. we get a lot for both of us because you know they've seen pictures of Lindy and I, and they. And they ask, and we reply together. Right. So we reply together, you know, so it's that kind of a thing. And it's nice. Well, because you're a model, uh, I mean, incredibly beautiful. Uh, I think uh, guys just are, you know, this podcast is called Inappropriate or All, uh, but uh, they. I, you have not been inappropriate at all. Well, listen, uh, like I, I, I think that's, I, mean, I think it's a misnomer. It's been an amazing conversation. I mean, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed sitting down here and just and talking. I, I love your name. So we've just been saying.
saying your name. <laughs> well, Skakel is a weird name. Uh, I'm going to tell you one of my closest friends in the house. And I don't mean this. Take, don't take this the wrong way. Listen, even if I did take it the wrong way, don't I wouldn't tell way. you about it. I talk to him. <laughs> I talk to him a lot. I have one of those anatomically correct punching bags. Yes. And you've seen them. Yeah. Sentry. You know, Sentry. And, and they say they call him Bob. I just said, I'm not calling you Bob. You're Earl to me. So when we're in the gym, we have our gym, and we're in there working out, I'll go lean on his shoulder, and I'll start talking to Earl. So, Earl, how, what do you think? Is she doing it right? So I carry on this conversation with Earl, and it's great. It's I'm not but... Yeah, I'll choke him out, and, you, know, and, you know, but that's okay. Well, you know, I, I think I once had an actor on here. Earl's Earl. an endearing name. Let me I like, it means that. noble. I to totally agree. And I want to uh, end this podcast on a happy note. Uh, you know, I took a shot once, uh, you know, uh, I had Eric Bischoff on mm -hmm. and Eric Bischoff is a very, um, heavily involved in the world of pro wrestling. He's uh, best friends with Hulk Hogan. Um, and it was like a two and a half hour, uh, podcast. Uh, he was he answered every dumb question a wrestling fan could come up with. And I was feeling so good. I took a shot knowing his best friend was Hulk Hogan and, you know, Hulk got into a, um, an audio tape was released where he might have said some uh, language yeah. that, uh, uh, you know, wasn't the best. And so I pitched Eric Bischoff this idea of how to rehabilitate Hulk Hogan's name by having a battle royal where Hulk Hogan comes back and he wrestles every black roster on the WWE. And I went from taking this man, being so respectful to him, two and a half hours, and his face just went blank. He's like, and then what? I'm like, uh, gee, I don't know, Mr. Bischoff. That's all I come up with. I'm going to take a shot with you on this. Take you, a shot. You don't have to do this. Take a shot. I would love it if you could take a picture of us. You putting me in a headlock. No, you don't have to do this. You do not have to do this. And As long as it is known, first and foremost, that I will put you in a headlock or choco, whichever you prefer. But it's not just putting me in a headlock. And we're not, we're going to say your movie line. Oh, you know it's very hard because I I'll be honest with you I rarely say the word because I I just understand that. How about this? We switch the word. Screw. I I used to do guys like you. Oh, impress. cool. And I'm sorry I made I did that up front. I you know what I can I, take it out if you would like. I would appreciate it if you would. I would. I would appreciate it if you would because I'm really trying to be respectful to people out there and and kids and things like that and I like to leave them with a good note. And I'm uh, I'm very sorry I pulled that on you. It's okay. Look, you know you 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 did it. I had pre warning. You were very upfront about it, and I I don't mind saying it. But because you said upfront, I can edit this accordingly. Absolutely. And I and I take that I take that truthfully, honestly. I would appreciate it. So this is how I, I, it will be done. And I will definitely do that. And I would love to because this will be the picture, the publicity picture. That we're going to use. So should we get up? Absolutely. You, do, you can't do it sitting down. No, no, you're right. And uh, please don't like. I want you to hold the mic. Oh, I am. I'm going to hold the mic. I'm just going to. Uh, mic. What side would you like this taken from? Oh, oh, sure. That would be great. Hold on, guys. We're just uh, setting this up. I mean, this is a fantasy of. Uh, let me see here. Uh, yes, here we go. Um, so uh, now don't put me in a real one. Hold it, hold it with this hand. Hold it with this okay. Because what I'm going to do is 
do this. Right. I'm going to cross you up, and I'm going to have you right here. You see that? You got it. And uh, so I'm going to say sound, speed rolling, and action, and we're going to do it. So this is the final fight scene from Roadhouse. Sound, speed rolling, action. I used to do guys like you in prison. Uh, Marshall Teague, his lovely wife, thank you so much. This has been beyond an honor. Uh, Oh, I'm sure it's good. I trust. uh, I love it. It's perfect. Uh, Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud and iTunes. This will be out Monday morning as soon as I edit out one part of the the beginning. And uh, Marshall, I can't thank you enough. This uh, is an absolute pleasure. Every comic in, in L.A. will be listening to this and all their friends and uh, you. Well, I can say this. To, to, I will say this to all the all the comics out there. Keep bringing the joy and a laugh and a smile to the nation because we need it. It's the worst time in the world right now with this political climate of uh, it's like the two. We won't mention names, but the two people running for office, it's like listening to YouTube comments. Well, uh, just keep bringing joy, and that's what you do. So that's what I would say to you. You asked me for my line. My request of you is keep bringing joy into the world. And anytime you guys want to come to the Comedy Store, it'd be an honor to have you. We'd love it. We'd love it. Actually, while we're, you know, you just let us know when you're going to be there. I will. So, guys, uh, this has been maybe my favorite episode ever. And uh, it'll be out Monday, minus uh, the beginning, because I'm a man of my word. 